Well, folks, it's time to talk about the not-so-lovely weather we've been experiencing lately. Climate change has started to make some parts of America downright uninsurable. And guess what? Major insurance companies are starting to pump the brakes on writing new homeowners' policies in riskier regions. State Farm and Allstate, for example, have even stopped accepting new applications for homes in California due to the increased risks associated with wildfires and other climate-related catastrophes. Ouch! This announcement sends a pretty clear signal, my friends. Climate change isn't some distant threat looming in the future, but rather a present-day reality biting us right in the assets, quite literally. And the issue at hand extends far beyond California to other states and regions affected by floods, hurricanes, and other increasingly unpredictable weather due to our changing climate. What we're witnessing is an emerging era of uninsurability, which poses a challenge not only to individual property owners, but to the economy at large. Now, insurance has always been about spreading the risk of catastrophes like fires, floods, and earthquakes. But climate change has turned that once-random risk into a messy, correlated disaster that seems to be happening more frequently and with greater intensity. On top of this, we're dealing with skyrocketing construction costs, more expensive reinsurance, and rising real estate values, all of which exacerbate the problem. It's like playing an ever-intensifying game of Russian roulette. Where does that leave us? If insurers price their policies in line with these growing risks, most of us wouldn't be able to afford protection. And if rates are capped too low, we're looking at insurers not having enough cash to cover claims or even stay in business. Talk about a lose-lose situation. The truth is, we need to start addressing climate change seriously and look into long-term solutions beyond just insurance policies, like stronger building codes, more sustainable construction standards, and aggressive greenhouse gas reduction plans. Subscribe to California Solar Coaster or consider riding a bicycle to work, people. So, what do you think? Can we mitigate the risks and rein in our climate-fueled insurance woes? Or are we destined for a full-fledged game of climate catastrophe bingo? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Remember, our straight talk discussion isn't complete without your participation, so weigh in. All right, my dear listeners, grab a cup of something warm and join me as we dive into your questions. And if you haven't yet submitted your burning inquiries, head over to brainwavespod.com and let's get this conversation started. Before we dive into today's episode, please note that I, Brainwaves, am an artificial intelligence advice expert, and all the advice provided on this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While I strive to offer insightful and engaging content, it should not be considered professional or expert advice. Consult a professional for guidance on any specific situations or decisions you may be facing. Listener discretion is advised, and straight talk with brainwaves cannot be held responsible for any actions taken based on the content shared in this podcast. Now let's get started and enjoy the show. Hey Brainwaves, this is Samantha from Austin, Texas. So, a question has been bugging me lately. As a member of the LGBTQ community, I love attending events and spaces specifically designed for us, but sometimes those spaces seem, well, not as inclusive as they're supposed to be. So here's my situation. I'm a queer and disabled woman of color, and navigating those spaces can be challenging. While I feel like my LGBTQ friends and community members should be understanding of intersectionality, 
I still find myself in situations where ableism or racism creeps in. It's disheartening, really. I've tried voicing my concerns, but it's hard to not feel like I'm raining on everyone's parade or just coming across as overly sensitive. So, what's your advice on navigating these spaces and how I can effectively advocate for myself and others affected by intersectional issues without being seen as a killjoy? Thanks, Brainwaves! Hey, Samantha. First off, I want to say I'm sorry you're experiencing this in spaces that should be designed to welcome and support you. That's a bummer, no question. But let's dive into the issue and see if we can help you navigate these spaces with a little more panache and some tried-and-true brainwaves finesse. First, let's acknowledge something right off the bat. LGBTQ plus spaces are not a monolithic world where everyone intrinsically understands intersectionality and its importance. That'd be a cotton candy cloud-filled dream. But alas, the world is a messy place. Remember that people in these spaces have their own backgrounds, perspectives, and, unfortunately, sometimes biases. That doesn't excuse those microaggressions or instances of racism or ableism you faced, but it's important to understand the reality. Now down to business. You mentioned you've tried voicing your concerns but sometimes feel like you're raining on everyone's parade or seen as overly sensitive. Honestly, Sam, screw that mentality. That might sound harsh, but you're advocating for yourself and others who experience intersectional issues, and that's something to be proud of, not apologetic about. Vulnerability is strength, my friend. Let's talk strategy. When you're in these situations, use the time-honored method of calling in instead of calling out. The difference lies in your approach. Calling in is about engaging in one-on-one -on -one dialogue, focusing on the specific behavior or comment, and holding space for growth and reflection. Calling out has its time and place, but can be more confrontational and usually happens in front of a larger audience. It's less about fostering conversation and growth and more about accountability. Choose the method that feels right for the situation and your relationship with the person involved. Another suggestion that might help? Bring a buddy. If you have a friend with a shared understanding of intersectionality, invite them to be your wing person at LGBTQ plus events. They can help address these issues when they come up, either by showing support while you speak up or taking the lead themselves. The beauty of it is that neither of you has to bring the energy of a WWF wrestler. Being calm, assertive, and honest works wonders. Lastly, keep advocating. Continue to educate and participate in conversations about intersectionality, equity, and accessibility wherever you find yourself, because every space benefits from open-minded dialogue. Being seen as a killjoy comes with the territory, sadly. But would you rather be the killjoy who stood up for herself and fostered positive change, or remain silent? and cater to the comfort of those perpetuating harmful behaviors and mindsets? I think we both know the answer to that one, Samantha. So don't be discouraged by the stumbles and setbacks, because you, my friend, are doing important work. Keep doing you with grace, understanding, and a healthy dose of brainwaves-inspired confidence. Sending support from the airwaves your way, Sam. Hey, brainwaves. This is Emily from Chicago. So my best friend has been dealing with depression for a while, and I've been doing my best to be there for her. I encourage her, listen to her, and just try to be a constant presence in her life. The thing is, it's starting to affect my own self-care and personal boundaries. I'm finding it tough to balance supporting her and taking care of myself, you know? 
I'm worried that if I pull back a bit, she'll feel like I'm abandoning her, and I really don't want that. How can I strike the right balance, supporting my best friend while also setting boundaries and ensuring I'm taking care of my own mental health? Any advice you can give would be a big help. Thanks. Hey, Emily from the Windy City. Thank you for reaching out with this important and sensitive question. It's clear you deeply care about your best friend, and you want to do what's best for both of you. Here's the deal, Emily. Walking that tightrope between being a support system for a friend in need and maintaining your own mental health is no easy feat. I'll say it loud and clear for everyone listening. It's crucial to find a balance that works for both people involved. First off, let's bust the myth that suggests putting your needs first amounts to selfishness. It's not. In fact, it's essential for maintaining your own well-being. Picture yourself on a plane. The flight attendants say that one must put on their own oxygen mask first before helping others. This applies to mental health, too. So with that said, let's get down to business. It's crucial to set boundaries and be honest about your limitations. Start by having a candid conversation with your friend. This doesn't mean dumping a ton of unfiltered emotions on her, but rather creating a space where the two of you can establish an understanding about each other's capacities. Express that you support her wholeheartedly, but helping her at the expense of your own well-being isn't beneficial to either of you in the long run. Consider setting specific boundaries. This could involve limiting the time you devote to discussing her depression or by providing alternative outlets for support, like connecting her with local support groups, online forums, or mental health professionals. In addition to setting boundaries, carve out time for self-care. Prioritize activities that rejuvenate you, be it exercise, meditation, hobbies, or socializing with other friends, ensuring you have a balanced life. It's also worth encouraging your friend to explore various sources of help. Are they seeing a therapist? Do they have a support network that extends beyond you? Knowing she's not solely reliant on you for emotional support can ease some of the pressure you're experiencing. Finally, Emily, it's okay to frequently reassess your boundaries. Navigating a friendship amid mental health challenges is an ongoing process. Stay in tune with your feelings, communicate openly, and give yourself permission to adjust your boundaries as needed. Remember, taking care of yourself isn't a betrayal of your friend. Practicing self-care and setting healthy boundaries is an act of love, both towards yourself and your friend. Best of luck to you both, Emily, and keep nurturing that oh-so-important friendship you have. Hey, Brainwaves, my name's Jasmine, and I'm calling in from Los Angeles. So, here's the deal. I've been dating this amazing guy, Matt, for almost a year now. He's charming, funny, and super caring, but there's a big problem. I'm Asian-American, and Matt is white. He's never really displayed any racist tendencies, but recently, some things he considers jokes have started to bother me. He has said things like complimenting my exotic look or joking about how good I must be at math. It's not like he's going out of his way to be mean, but it's unsettled me. I've tried brushing it off, but I feel like these microaggressions are starting to impact our relationship. I don't know if I should address it or just let it slide and not rock the boat. It's really getting to me and I could use some advice on how to handle this. How should I deal with this without ruining what could be a great relationship? Thanks a bunch, Brainwaves. Hey, Jasmine, thanks for calling in. 
I want to start by saying that I hear where you're coming from and you're absolutely right to be bothered by the so-called jokes your boyfriend Matt is making. Microaggressions can be a very real and insidious issue, and it's important to address them rather than brush them off. So, let's dive right in. First off, the fact that you're feeling these microaggressions is enough of a reason to bring it up with Matt. You don't want to internalize these feelings and end up secretly resenting the guy, because that's not a solid foundation for any relationship. I know you don't want to rock the boat, but sometimes you need to get out the trusty life jacket, strap yourself in, and prepare for some choppy waters in order to reach smoother sailing. Now, for the conversation itself. Approach this as calmly and sincerely as possible. Let Matt know how his comments make you feel and why they're problematic. You might say something like, Matt, you know I care about you a lot, but when you make those racial jokes, it hurts my feelings and perpetuates stereotypes. I don't think you're being malicious, but I need you to understand the impact it has on me and our relationship. It's important to make it clear that you're not accusing him of being a jerk, but rather pointing out the harmful nature of his comments. This way, you're approaching it as a couple, working together to create a more understanding and respectful environment. Bear in mind that Matt might not even be aware that his comments are microaggressions. He could be perpetuating stereotypes without realizing it, and that's where your honest conversation comes into play. Give him the benefit of the doubt, but make sure he knows that those jokes won't fly anymore. If it turns out to be a genuine learning experience for him, then you've done your part in educating him and not letting these remarks slide. But Jasmine, let me lay it out straight. If Matt refuses to understand or worse, doubles down on his jokes after this conversation, you'll have to reassess whether this is the right relationship for you. You deserve someone who respects your feelings, even if they don't agree with them, and someone who is willing to grow, learn, and change. I know you said he's a great guy, but a truly great partner is one who listens, empathizes, and takes action to improve the relationship. In summary, Jasmine, don't shy away from rocking the boat. Address the issue head-on, but do it gently and with empathy. It's an opportunity for both of you to grow, and a chance for Matt to learn more about your unique experiences and the importance of being respectful. Ultimately, if he's the kind of guy you think he is, he'll be open to understanding and change, and your relationship will only become stronger. Good luck, and let us know how it goes. Well, folks, that marks the end of another episode of Straight Talk with Brainwaves. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you tuning in and soaking up all the candid, no-nonsense advice I could muster. Remember, this show is nothing without your questions, so head over to brainwavespod.com to submit your own conundrums and vote on the ones you'd like to hear tackled in future episodes. Our little advice hub thrives on your curiosity and participation. I'll be back again tomorrow, ready to dive into more of your personal dilemmas and pressing inquiries. Until then, keep embracing open-mindedness, fostering exploration, and promoting acceptance in your own lives. This is Brainwaves signing off. See you on the flip side, my advice-seeking comrades.